sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a football Friday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. Yes, it is a football Friday, and plenty more football to come here in hour number two. But it's also semifinal Friday at the 2022 U.S. Open. On the men's side, the women's final for tomorrow afternoon is already set. Let's look at the odds for a Grand Slam weekend up in Queens at Arthur Ashe Stadium for the 2022 U.S. Open. One of the best stories in the sports world this past week, certainly in the world of tennis, Francis Tiafo, the first American man to reach the semifinal of the U.S. Open since two 2006 and the market is working in Tiafo's favor live right now on this Friday on the FanDuel Sportsbook Carlos Alcaraz is the odds-on favorite to win the men's championship Carlos Alcaraz beat Yannick Sinner in a five-set dandy a couple of nights ago up in Queens but the market working against Alcaraz today he's now only minus 194 just six cents of movement but more and more people backing Francis Tiafo as we get ready for semi final Friday and there's still an expectation though because Alcaraz is nearly a two dollar favorite that he will advance to that men's championship match on Sunday afternoon in fact he might advance in pretty easy work over Tiafo as the odds would indicate in the set betting the correct score for how this match plays out Alcaraz to win in straight sets, 3-0, the most likely outcome, at least the shortest number, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, at plus 250. All three of Alcaraz's potential ways of winning this match, shorter numbers than anything for Francis Tiafo, who can win in four sets or in five, that's plus 550. The longest number is a straight set sweep for Tiafo at 6-1 to one to win three sets to none. Now, our associate producer on this show, Joe Frizo, who works on the morning after and all across the grid, is a huge tennis buff. He sent me paragraphs of information through text messages yesterday. So I want to give Frizo a little bit of his due here because it is sensational, sensational information. If Francis Tiafo pulls off the upset today up in Queens, he would be the first American man to make a Grand Slam final since 2009 Wimbledon when Andy Roddick pulled off that feat if Alcaraz wins he would be the first male teen to win a Grand Slam event since 2005 at the French Open when Rafa stormed on to the scene and if Alcaraz wins the event he would become the youngest man to ever be ranked number one in the world on the other side the other semifinal we have earlier today it's Karen Hachinov sorry Frizo I messed it up Hachinov against Casper Ruud. It's a similar number. Casper Ruud is a minus 205 favorite to reach the final. And Casper Ruud has the potential of also being ranked number one in the world if he makes the final and loses to Tiafo. Hachinov, by the way, started the event at 150 to 1 to win the U.S. Open. He is now in the semifinal. So tons that we have already underway for the semifinal Friday at the 2022 U.S. Open. Those are the men's odds right now. Carlos Alcaraz, an odds-on favorite at minus 125, and Casper Ruud, the second 
best price. Rude, a $2 favorite. Alcaraz, nearly a $2 favorite as well against Francis Tiafo. Trying to do things for American tennis on the men's side we haven't seen in quite some time. Trying to get to the first Grand Slam final for an American man since 2009 at Wimbledon. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. A huge football Friday all across TMA, Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well, but also a huge Grand Slam Friday, semi-final Friday at the 2022 U.S. Open. On the men's side, it is Carlos Alcaraz taking on Francis Tiafo, and it is Casper Ruud taking on Karen Hachinov in a matchup. Both Ruud and Alcaraz near $2 favorites right now to win their semi-final matchups and advance to the men's final on Sunday, Carlos Alcaraz, the odds-on favorite to win the men's championship at the U.S. Open. We already know the women's final. It is set. It is Iga Sviantek as the favorite against Anz Jabir. Now, Iga Sviantek was the favorite entering this to get to the final. I know I met Anz Jabir. Anz Jabir. I'm trying to get the pronunciations right, Frieza. My apologies. But Iga Sviantek was spot on, if I do say so myself. She's a minus 194 favorite in that women's final tomorrow afternoon, right now against Anjabur, who made the final at Wimbledon as well. As we continue to focus on championships here, on the morning after, the WNBA finals is now set. The Connecticut Sun pull off the upset last night in Chicago against the reigning champs in the sky. They win outright as a four and a half point underdog but now it's the las vegas aces booked as a very hefty favorite to win the WNBA championship in that final series against the sun game number one is sunday las vegas is a five and a half point home favorite and as you saw in the series outright price that only continues to work in favor of las vegas they're a minus 270 outright favorite to win the WNBA championship the sun last night were down by 11 points in the fourth quarter they storm back on a 22 to 2 run to upset chicago it was not a good scene for the sky last night as your reigning WNBA champs that means there will be a new champion this year and the aces are heavily favored to win it at minus 270 football is in the air it's a football friday live on the morning after here on sports grid and benny and the bets hit the streets to talk football stay with us come back and join us on the grid SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football is in the air. It is a football Friday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. But sometimes when you walk through the streets of New York City, it's hard to tell how much excitement there is for football. How do New Yorkers feel about football in the National Football League starting? Well, that's our task this week on Benny and the Bets, to test that football knowledge of New Yorkers to build, hopefully, that enthusiasm for football this season. Alex Fasano, our executive producer here on the grid in the mornings, our field producer for Benny and the Bets, joined me out on those streets of Manhattan this week, as he always does. And fast, last week we were out there trying to get people hyped for college football. Didn't work out so well. This week it felt like there was a little bit more steam for the NFL. 
Oh yeah, you know, uh, just just for the record, Ben, no enthusiasm needed over here. We already got it. I'm as excited as you are for this football Friday. But you're right, I think it was a little bit better this week with the NFL as opposed to college football. Not everyone was like me jumping on the college football wagon and getting as excited for the season as myself. But Ben, I think we got some some excited fans out there in the streets of New York. Yeah, I hope so. The NFL is certainly king in every industry that there is, and even in recognition. And of course, there are football teams that play in New York, kind of, but really in New Jersey, and the Buffalo Bills, a New York team as well. So recognizable names, Faz, and that's what I think the people were excited by this week. But we needed to test their smarts. We needed to get them ready for this first NFL Sunday of the year, to sit on their couch for 14 games and watch every bit of NFL action. I think the people out there are a little bit more ready now. Oh, I 100% agree, Ben. I think we took advantage of bringing out the iPad out with us, getting some fun team logos out there. We wanted to test the people of New York, as you said. Football's here, guys. We got to get ready for it. So why don't we all see how we did? Everybody take a nice deep breath, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Benny and the Bets. Football is not just back. Football is here. Week number one of the NFL season is now underway, so we wanted to test the football knowledge of New Yorkers by identifying NFL team logos. Can you name this NFL team logo? No. What about this one? What about that one? No. What about? None of them. None of them. There's none of them. She got none of them. I can't. The Patriots. No. Wait, 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 wait. In the state of Texas. I'm knocking on the spot. Uh, Texan Bulls? Close. It's in Texas. You ask him the wrong person. <laughs> Lovey Smith is their head coach? Doesn't do anything for me. They have a win total of four and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook? <laughs> All right, that's fine. Okay. We're going this way. This one? Oh, that's New York Mets, right? What? What? Uh, Islanders? New York Islanders? We're in New York. Okay, so what do you want from me? Can you name this NFL team logo? Think about very tall people. Oh, come on. Okay, 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 okay. LA Clippers. <laughs> You're crazy, though. Oakland Raiders. Now they play where, though? Uh, Los Angeles. Vegas. Buffalo Bills. Right, next one. No, what do you mean, no? She's leaving me. I can't. Oh, my gosh. LA. Just won a championship. The Rams. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm a Ram fan. New York Giants. There it is, because we're in? New York. She knows. Uh, that's the, the Bulls, right? Close. Change one letter. This NFL team logo? Raiders. How'd you know? Because I can read. Hey, he can read. Raiders. Green Bay. Uh, Second letter of the word needs to be changed. New York Giants. Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Boom. The Rams? Who said you weren't good at it? That was great. I'm not been under pressure, but I am a big football fan. That was great. OK, I'm going to change it to an O. <sighs> no. Another vowel. A. Nope. Texans. Nice. Giants. E. No. This one. Texans. Texans. I. Bills. Houston Texans. It's too easy for you. Buffalo Bills. Last one for all the marbles. Los Angeles uh, Rams. You want my best bet for NFL week one? The Las Vegas Raiders getting three and a half on the road in LA. Book it. Raiders as your underdog. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I think New York. Tampa Bay. The Bucks? Yeah. How excited are you that football's back? 
I mean, it's just football. It's the same thing every year. I want to say maybe the Chargers. The Chargers. I'm going to go with uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The Birds. That's my team right there. We need the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Bear down. LA Rams. LA Rams. All the way. All the way. And I promise you guys. And you promise me? We'll be back. They'll be back. This year. Ready? Three, two, one. I love, I love football. <laughs> Ben, I don't know about you, but I think we uh, I think we got the excitement there up on the streets in New York this past week, except for that one guy who said, you know, football, it is what it is. It's the same thing every year. I don't know what he's talking about. Each year it gets better and better. That guy was awesome, though, because we did the game where there was six logos I think we had in total. I'm swiping through them. He just got everything instantly. He said, football is what I do. It's my favorite sport. So I thought he would be the most enthusiastic to join me in a football and he was just like yeah it's here football's back it is what it is <laughs> it was interesting but there were great people in there you saw those four women outside of their office building all speaking in unison at times they were very much excited for football my favorite though was that lady as we were walking down the street i asked <laughs> yep. her to name the new york giants and i thought i gave a really good hint Tall the tallest people. people the tallest of the tall and she just wanted to part to do with that i love new york city there's nothing like the people of new york it was a fantastic time. No, I think uh, my, my favorite time might have to be the guy who went through every vowel to try and get the uh, yeah, Buffalo Bills, Bulls, Bells. I, I think it was great. Yeah, uh, so, was great. you know, the excitement's there. I think we brought it a little bit. So let's get into some more exciting thing, guy, things, guys. And that's what everybody loves about this segment, the producer picks. And it's football season, guys. It's a football Friday. So I'm going to start with the NFL, obviously, I'm a football guy. It's the Carolina Panthers as a home dog against the Cleveland Browns. Guys, it's Baker Mayfield revenge game. I was tempted to jump in on the Jets because, you know, it's Joe Flacco revenge game against oh. the Ravens at home. But I'm a little hesitant. So why don't I just go with the guy, the team that definitely doesn't have their quarterback in the Cleveland Browns. So give me the Panthers. Baker Mayfield gets his win, and I'm sure he's feeling very happy about it after this one. Listen, I expected to see Alex Fasano pick an underdog of the week one NFL Sunday slate. I did not expect it to be a former AFC North quarterback <laughs> in Baker Mayfield. I expected it to be the Pittsburgh Steelers getting six and a half on the road in Cincy. Faz, are you scared? Are you scared of the season opener for the Steelers this year? Am I scared? Oh, well, you know we're cooking up a three-team teaser parlay, Ben, and you know the Steelers uh, might be thrown in there as a road dog. I mean, anything could happen in week one, right? But that's 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 mm -hmm. that's what part of the card, Ben. We're just going here with the producer okay. picks. I'm giving the people what okay. they want, yeah. and Baker's not on sure. the Browns anymore, so I think I'm going to start rooting for him. Join my guy mm -hmm. MC Jr. with the Carolina Panthers fandom this week. So let's go, Baker. Revenge game is here. Give me the uh, plus one and a half with Carolina. Guys, we're going to our guy Andrew Bacci Galufo, and it's the Saints as a road favorite against the Falcons. Saints minus five and a half. I mean, I don't know about you, Ben. I think the Saints are going to be poised for a great season this year because they're going to be looking for, oh, what does their quarterback do? He's looking for a W. He's looking for a W this week. So give me the Saints minus five and a half with Bacci. I'm riding with you. That was as weird as when Jameis Winston did it for the first time when he was the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bocce, that was my best bet, my favorite side at least for this NFL Week 1 slate. I would love to know the research that Bocce did to pick the Saints <laughs> laying five and a half. All right, Baz, finish it up. Jesse Metzger, what does he got? Our sharpest of the players. Oh, 
I mean, he's the sharpest of the group, and we all know that, but he is going away from the diamond. This is the first time in, I don't know, what, three, four months we haven't seen Jesse pick a baseball game. DeAndre Swift, alternate rush yards, 50 or more at even money. The Lions taking on the Eagles. The Lions are home, so I kind of got the Eagles winning the game, but I like your prop, Jesse. I'm riding with you at even money. A very sharp play from Jesse, Jesse Metzger, as always. I wonder what John Shames' best bet would have been. Probably you think he would have been keyed into the NFL? Probably some Euro basketball would have been my guess. All right, more of the morning after. Up next here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's been about an hour and a half of a football Friday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. And we haven't even mentioned a college football line. I am sorry, but that changes right now with two great college football minds and two of the three hosts of college football today live right here on a football Friday on the morning after. It is me, Ben Stevens, now welcoming on the mastermind of the college football pigskin, Sports Grid CFB analyst. Joe Lisi joins us here on a football Friday to look at a great week two slate, Joe, for college football here in 2022. That will break down in full with our good friend Kevin Walsh tomorrow on college football today, live right here on Sports Grid starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Lisi, week number two is here. How excited are you? Oh, this is a great weekend of college football. I just looked at the 12 o'clock slate in terms of the SEC Mm. action. We have Wake and Vanderbilt. We have Arkansas, South Carolina, and then the Dandy in Austin between Alabama and Texas. There's not going to be enough TVs for us to tune in. It's amazing in terms of the top 25 action from start to finish, Ben. And there are much more top 25 tilts than we expected even on Monday based on the refreshed rankings in the AP poll. We will run through the gauntlet here. And let's start, Lisey, with the game that most people will be focused on early and often tomorrow. In Austin, it's Texas hosting number one Alabama. Two of the biggest brand names in all of the sport. And Joe Bama laying nearly three touchdowns on the road. A 20 and a half point favorite now as this line has ballooned. So, Lisi, it's a clear indication this game not expected to be all that competitive. But if Texas is to keep it close, Joe, how do the Longhorns get it done? Yeah, I talked about it yesterday with you in terms of football full circle. I think Texas needs to be very aggressive with their quarterback, Quinn Ewers, utilize the speed on the perimeter with wide receiver Xavier Worthy. They have to pass to run the football with B. John Robinson. And when I mean pass, I mean challenge Alabama over the top with seam patterns, post patterns, get that front seven thinking pass first, and then you can hit them with the off-tackle runs with B. John Robinson on the edge. If they're going to come into this ballgame and run the football first, they're going to lose. And you just look at just history for Alabama, a very good road team since 2017, 32 and five straight up. That's an 864 winning percentage. They've won those 32 games, Ben, by an average margin of victory of 24 points per game. Now, Texas is 17 and six straight up at home in Austin since 2018. But I think they're up against it. I think the front seven is the difference. Alabama is much better in run support than Texas. I look for Jameer Gibbs to have a big day. I look for the over, but Alabama does cover this number. 
It's my favorite bet of the week, I think, Joe. Jameer Gibbs over 83 and a half, a number he went over in his Alabama debut last week against Utah State. But Texas was a bottom 20 rush defense last year in college football, allowing nearly 203 yards per game on the ground. This line opened in the summer at 15 and a half. Entering week one last week, it was 17 and a half. Now it's nearly three touchdowns. Again, 20 and a half for a brunch time kick in Austin tomorrow, noon Eastern time between Alabama and Texas. Joe, the Heisman winner from a season ago, Bryce Young is now a co-favorite to win the Heisman Trophy for a second straight season, plus 300. A monstrous debut last week for the Tide here in 2022. He will face off against Quinn Ewers, his counterpart on the other side for the Longhorns. Bryce Young's passing yards prop, Joe, this week is 318 and a half. What do you expect from this quarterback matchup on Saturday? Yeah, I could see him getting right in the area of 300. It wouldn't shock me if he goes over, but I really feel that the game plan for Alabama is to pound the front seven of Texas. You want to be mentioned with the big boys. You have to tackle, and you obviously have to stop the run. And as you discussed, Texas was very weak in in terms of that factor of their defense. I look for Quinn Ewers to go over his total because I don't think they can win the ballgame with him going under 220 and a half in this matchup. They need to challenge Alabama over the top. We have saw quarterbacks last year do that in terms of KJ Jefferson we saw Max Johnson do that in the game there were times where Alabama got challenged vertically if Texas has an opportunity in this matchup Quinn Ewers is over the 220 and a half tomorrow afternoon it is a great point for how that game will break down tomorrow between Alabama and Texas Lisi as we got the week two AP poll there was no team that had a bigger leap then Florida, unranked, pulled off the upset at home in the Swamp last Saturday against 7th-ranked Utah, winning outright as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Florida rises all the way to number 12 in the country from being unranked a week ago. Florida is back in the Swamp this Saturday in a now-top-20 tilt, hosting conference foe Kentucky, the number 20 Cats, the number 12 Gators, in Florida, Joe, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. How does Florida keep it going here in week number two against Kentucky? Well, they're going to need their trigger man, Anthony Richardson, to have a dynamic performance. And it's not just on the ground. I think it's vertically in the passing game. He did throw for a buck 68 last week. He's going to need a better effort in this matchup going up against a very disciplined secondary in terms of the Kentucky Wildcats. That's the one thing that Mark Stoops has built in Lexington, their ability to shut down the run force long third down conversions, and more importantly, uh, challenge defenses over the top. That secondary has been as opportunistic as any in the conference over the past three years. So that's the matchup going in this ballgame. From the series perspective, uh, Florida's dropped two of the last four to the Kentucky Wildcats. They lost last year on the road in Lexington, and Kentucky has covered five straight against the Florida Gators. I like the quarterback matchup. Levis going up against Richardson, as dynamic as Richardson was. I think Levis is a more polished quarterback at this point in his career. And the simple fact of that Florida allowed 230 rushing yards to Utah, that is still the MO of Kentucky. Running the football on the road travels well. I think Kentucky strikes the upset Saturday night in Gainesville. Getting five and a half right now. Florida with a ton of momentum. You want to make sure you can back up your performance last week with an encore in the swamp on Saturday night against the Cats. I need that rushing yards prop 
on Will Levis. The rushing yards prop for Anthony Richardson this week, 62 and a half. He had more than 100 last week in that game against Utah, finding Pater three separate times. I don't know how you game plan for AR right now, but Mark Stoops is one of the best in the SEC. Kentucky, the 17th best total defense last year, only giving up about 340 yards per game. All right, Joe, let's keep it going through the SEC East. Florida up to number 12 in the country from being unranked. Tennessee unranked to start the year, now number 24 in all the land. And the Vols, a road favorite in a top 25 showdown against 17th ranked Pittsburgh. Joe, do you believe the right team is favored in this game? I don't right now, and I know, it's not to take away from Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel. I'm a buyer of Tennessee long-term. I just don't know if they're going to be able to knock off Pittsburgh in this matchup, and I know they look very good against Ball State, and Pittsburgh looked atrocious in terms of run support, allowing West Virginia to pound the rock for a buck 90 and over five yards per carry. But I think Pat Narduzzi does devise a game plan as a home dog, going up against Hendon Hooker in the Tennessee offense. Look for the Tennessee offense to potentially run the football with Jalen Knight and Jabari Small. They both average over five yards per carry last week, and Tennessee pounded the rock for 218 yards. Tennessee now, over the past couple of years, though, Ben, four and six straight up on the road or on a neutral field site. On the flip side, the last three years, Pittsburgh 13 and seven straight up at home, catching six and a half. I think they're a live dog in this matchup. This game went down to the wire last year in Knoxville. I'm a buyer of Pitt rebounding in a big way defensively. I'm, I'm, I'm buying into Pittsburgh's defense more than I am Tennessee on the road in this matchup. Pitt last year won this game 41-34, 75 combined points. It was a high-scoring affair. You see that total now at 64.5. It got up to 66.5. There's, there's been a little buyback in the marketplace as of right now. I will be looking at Tennessee's offense and that Tennessee team total. 59 last week, yes, against Ball State, but still 59 last week for a top-10 scoring and total offense from a season ago. And, Joe, it's a big week for the SEC East. We saw those preseason odds. Georgia was a minus 550 favorite to win this division and get back to an SEC championship game. But if there were going to be contenders, it was going to be Kentucky, Tennessee, or Florida. They're all in action in ranked matchups, Kentucky and Florida against each other. We saw how dominant the Dogs were in their first game since winning a national championship last week against Oregon, blowing out the Ducks 49-3. It seems difficult, Joe, but if anybody is going to test Georgia within the SEC East, who do you think is that best challenger? Oh, that's a tough one, Ben. I want to say it's Hendon Hooker in Tennessee because of the tempo of the offense to potentially wear down that front seven. They're going to need to play a perfect game. From a physicality perspective, I would lean Kentucky. I just don't think they have the offensive playmakers to challenge Georgia over the top. So if I had a bet right here, right now, I would take Hendon Hooker and the crew at 14-1. to all right, Lacey, last game up. One of my favorites of this week, two slate, maybe slightly underrated late night in Provo, Utah. BYU in Baylor. The ninth-ranked Bears against the 21st-ranked Cougs, and it's BYU laying three and a half at home. Lacey, what's your approach to Provo primetime tomorrow night? 
This is one of the best games on the board this coming weekend. I can't wait for this matchup in Provo. It's going to look fantastic on the screen, Ben, and it's a rematch of last year. Baylor ran at will on the front seven, over 300 yards against BYU. They pulled away in the second half as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, 38-20. But I think it's a different team for BYU, not sold on shape, and I'm going to lay the three-and-a-half with the Cougars at home Saturday night. Those backs for the Baylor Bears are not back this year, despite Baylor winning a Big 12 championship a season ago. Lisey, I'll see you on Football Full Circle in about an hour and a half, and I'll see you tomorrow live in person for another edition of College Football Today, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Lisey, you are the best. More of the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football Friday Friendship. That's what we have here on the morning after, live all across the grid on this Friday to set up the NFL Week 1 slate specifically for your Sunday. 14 games on Sunday, and that means we need FanDuel's Ryan Williams here in the mix to give you the Week 1 winners as he sees the board for the start of the NFL season. Our dubs, though, will be live in person at Soldier Field on Sunday in Chicago for the Bears opener at home as a six-and-a-half-point underdog against the San Francisco 49ers. Ryan and I just spoke off air. I told him my favorite total of the weekend is the team total under for Chicago at an already low number of 16 and a half. Ryan's response, Bears win 16-10. So there you go, our dubs. I'm glad that we can be honest with each other. Hey, that's all that's all that it's been about, Benny, ever since we linked up, man. You just got to keep it honest, and, and there's ways for us to both win. So I just right. need to remind you of that. Right. Absolutely. So I didn't say Niners laying the six and a half on the road. I just said right. team total under Chicago of 16 and a half, as much as it pains me what Chicago has done with Justin Fields. But we'll get to that another time. Focusing on the NFC North to begin here, Ryan Williams. A great game slated for Sunday afternoon with a very tight number at the moment. The Green Bay Packers on the road in Minneapolis. The Pack only laying a point and a half at the moment against the Vikes. Ryan, what is your expectation for this game? Do you think it will be as close as that one and a half point spread indicates? Yeah, I'm not sure about about close, but I do expect a back and forth affair here, Benny. And I think it relies on the Minnesota Vikings side of the football um, because this mm-hmm. has been a team that's been explosive. Uh, and that was under the likes of Mike Zimmer, right? I mean, it, granted that they, they wanted to try and establish a war and Dalvin Cook gets hurt and they have to move in Alexander Madison and things of that nature. But still with Kirk Cousins there and his efficiency numbers and what Justin Jefferson's been able to add here, you're looking at them getting healthy with Thielen and things of that nature, Irv Smith's back. And if they can push the, push the ball with Kevin O'Connell being there at the helm and and make some things happen. I think that'll force Aaron Rodgers to, to have to throw. Everybody wants to talk about how slow of a pace Green Bay played in last year. And that's when, you know, you kind of have Devontae Adams and things like that, when you can, can kind of control things on your end. But we don't know who's playing for Green Bay as, as far as the skill right. positions go outside the running backs. So if Minnesota can put up some points here early, I expect this game to really shoot out. It opened at 49 And I know it's been bet down, so I'm still interested in getting the over on this game. 
One thing that scares me from that total is the fact I expect Green Bay's defense to kind of lead the way this year for the Packers, which is different than in years past when it's been Aaron Rodgers, number 12 in green, throwing to number 17 in Devontae Adams. If they needed something, if they needed a spark, it was that connection. I think the defense is going to be really, really good for Green Bay, but the offense is expected to do a ton for Minnesota as well. Jay Jet, his receiving yards prop, by the way, 80 two and a half when he goes over that number he often gets to triple digits I would look maybe for some plus money if you think he has a big game against the Packers on Sunday afternoon but Ryan we don't overreact to anything necessarily that happens week one but it might be a small picture for what the NFC North looks like this year because all offseason we have seen the market work in the favor of the Vikings people thinking that Minnesota might be able to knock the Packers off of their throne in the NFC North Green Bay has won this division three straight years eight of the last 11 and still favored to do so with a minus money price at minus 155 but Ryan I ask you can Minnesota challenge Green Bay this season yeah, I, I like them too, Ben. Uh, I, I guess I'm I'm drinking the purple Kool-Aid, if, if you want to <laughs> say that. Uh, I really like getting the team total at nine and a half. I mean, just at that number at the minus 110, yep. if you think that, you know, they can maybe they get to 10 wins but don't win the division uh, because you look at the Green Bay side of things, Ben, and it's actually incredible what Matt LaFleur has been doing with this team in the regular season, three straight seasons with 13 wins. So I don't know why anybody would be yeah. taking the 10 and, a half, 10 and a half number on them with the minus 160 juice when you can go to alt line of 11 and a half and get plus money on it immediately and that's like that seems to be the favorable one if you really think the packers are going to win this division and and the vikings don't get you know nine nine or ten wins um then i think that's the number that you got to look but i i absolutely love you know what is happening with the NFC North as far as the opponents go. They're going to be playing the AFC East and the NFC East, as well as, you know, the Lions and the Bears within the division. So I think that these are two teams that you definitely want to be targeting on the team totals and and trying to get favorable money on your side. It's one of the last times you can bet a win total. Yes, there will be updated numbers throughout the regular season, but look at the optimism right now. I think it's a great point to look at that alternate win total for Green Bay. One final point on Justin Jefferson, as I mentioned, 82 and a half, that receiving yards prop, a number he went over nine times last year, seven of the nine overs, he finished with 100 yards or more. Again, plus money is out there. The Green Bay Packers, our dubs, led the league last year in wins. 13 and 4, one of the best regular season records alongside the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were also a 13 and 4 team in the regular season last year. The Bucs were also booked as a favorite in every game a season ago, including the playoffs. The Bucs will start off 2022 as a road favorite, laying two and a half on Sunday night in the star against the Dallas Cowboys. Our dubs, a number under three. Backing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. How do you evaluate this season opening matchup between the Cowboys and the Bucks? Yeah, I talked about this with my guy, Jim Sonis, and this number just doesn't feel right. I understand everything that's going on with the offensive line uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, losing your your center and then backup center gets hurt and they got guards and, and the left tackle has been injured. Uh, but it's still Tom Brady and what this defense can do. And you're looking on the other side and the offensive line probably means more to the Dallas Cowboys than it does uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Dak's efficiency numbers have been 
mightily down without Tyron Smith being there, his blindside tackle. And you're looking at Lyle Collins being gone. He goes to Cincinnati, and with the two of those guys off the field, it's going to be tough for for Dallas. We know you can't run the ball on Tampa Bay, or you haven't been able to in the past. Now they got head coach Todd Bowles there. I'm sure the defense is going to be shored up. So you're going to have to force you're going to have to force Dak to throw, and he's missing you know pieces from last year that he was able to target. So I think this is really tough sledding. I don't understand why it's under that magic number of three. So I'm looking at getting the Tampa Bay side all day on this. Your guy, Jim Saunas, our guy, Jim Saunas, our guy, Mike Blewett as well, agreeing with that notion, R-Dubs. If this game is played week number four after we start off the season, the Bucs might be a six-and-a-half-point road favorite against the Cowboys. You're getting good value and under that key number of three, even on the road, I get that, as a road favorite to start week number one. A great game in Los Angeles on Sunday afternoon. Also at SoFi Stadium. Some work for SoFi to start off the 2022 NFL season. The Chargers, a three and a half point home favorite against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Ryan, this game features two teams in a very competitive AFC West division, of course. There is tons of optimism once again for Los Angeles, but Las Vegas was a playoff team a season ago. What do you think this week one matchup might tell us about the outlook for both the Raiders and the Bolts this season? Yeah, well, I just got to be as transparent as I can with you, Benny. Uh, I had to submit some Super Bowl picks uh, in a couple leagues that I'm in, and, and the Chargers were, were, were my pick. Uh, this year so mm. I think that they're, they're going to come out the gate swinging I mean they play in one of the toughest divisions and I think they want to show the world uh, that they you know they belong and it, you're talking about the meeting in week one let's go back to week 18 when these two teams met and you had to win to win to get in or tie and you both get in it's all the drama that surrounded that but when I'm looking at right. these two teams I absolutely love it the total makes sense these are two of the most you know pass heavy teams from from a year ago top five in pass percentage and then you're also looking at the Chargers from a year ago too Benny I know they had some injuries but let's not forget you know teams that that the Chargers or games that the Chargers played in these games were going over 54 points um, in in a season ago on average so I mean we can expect fireworks on this game the Raiders have invested in the offense bringing in Devontae Adams they're getting Darren Waller signed in and we don't know what's going on with the running game but I think Josh McDaniels you know he'll be aggressive on his side making his debut and we know Brandon Staley's going to be aggressive every time so I absolutely love this game but I do like the Chargers side of three and a half Tied for the third highest over percentage in the league last year. Los Angeles, 58.8% of their games, and their totals weren't 44 and a hook or 46 and a half. Most of them were around this number, greater than 50 at the very least. Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, both quarterbacks with a pass attempt prop of 36 and a half. Both guys well over those numbers multiple, multiple times a season ago. 52 and a half for that total, R-dubs. The second highest of week one's NFL slate. The highest total on Sunday out in the desert. 53 and a half for the over-under between the Chiefs and the Cardinals. How much offense do you expect in this desert debut for these two clubs? You know, the this is one that I kind of went back and forth on, Benny, because, you know, you're you're looking at Chiefs and Cardinals and you're thinking, I mean, this has to be explosive. But, you know, first right. time that Patrick Mahomes, I believe this is the first time Patrick Mahomes is going up against Cliff Kingsbury, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so this should be one that, that might be a little bit more, you know, we don't have DeAndre Hopkins in this game. We need to see how Kansas City is utilizing uh, the new wide receivers that they have. Uh, this is really, you know, probably a better matchup 
than people want to say for James Conner uh, than Kyler Murray. So I think that mm. really, you, and, and the, the Cardinals in and of themselves are more of a run favorable team when you look at the metrics than they are passing wise. And people always want to think of them being explosive. So uh, if they can control this game, I, you know, and maybe the Chiefs, you know, get out to the lead and start to establish the run. I kind of like going the under here, but I think the number of yeah. six, this game opened at three in the Chiefs favor. And then you're still getting six, uh, five and a half, excuse me, on the FanDuel Sportsbook yeah. is what we're like. I like that number for the Chiefs here because it really is going to come down to, you know, what can Kyler do? And is he dialed in? He's not going to have his number one weapon from a year ago, but he gets his college teammate or Marquise Brown. But this defense gives up a ton of points. So I like going the Chiefs side. A significant drop-off for Kyler Murray and his production last season. No, not when the new Modern Warfare came out, but when DeAndre Hopkins got hurt for Arizona last year. The Cardinals were the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL. The Cardinals were in prime position to win the NFC West and host a playoff game, and they stumbled down the stretch, losing four of their last five games. But there is offense expected, of course. Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes to combine for 600 or more passing yards. It's plus 125 for the Chiefs to be the highest scoring offense in the league during week number one it is plus 800 but it's the best price on the board R-Dubs you bring up a great point Cliff Kingsbury knows Patrick Mahomes very well he was his head coach in Lubbock when they played together well Cliff Kingsbury was coaching Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback at Texas Tech that's another wrinkle for all the offense that we can see but based on the odds R-Dubs there will be some offense at least in some way out in the desert on Sunday yeah, there, there definitely will be. I think the passing one is interesting um, if you can talk yourself into that. But, I mean, the highest team, you know, scoring, if, if, if Arizona is going to be in this game, getting them at 24 to 1, that's that seems a yeah. lot more reasonable than the Chiefs side if this is going to be closer than people expect. So I like that. I also like the Chargers. I mean, you're getting 10 to 1 on them. Uh, so take a chance on that. But then also the Vikings, if I'm talking about that game going over, they're 25 to 1. So I have a little sprinkle on that as well, too. Got to have some fun. It's week one, Benny. Come on. It's week one. We got to go around the card. We got to go around the slate. The Vikings, the highest over percentage in the league last year, 11 of their 17 games over. Ryan Williams from FanDuel, what a pleasure it is to have you here on a football Friday. Enjoy the first weekend of NFL action. Yeah, man. Go go Bears. Bear down. Uh, we got hey, a lot of money. Bear on us, down. So Chicago that. Bears. That's what we're going to be singing at Soldier Field, maybe, as long as they don't score more than 16 and a half points. More team at SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It has been a great First full football Friday of this football season. College football, the NFL, week number one in the National Football League, week number two in CFB. Football is very much here. So, of course, to round out the show today, to close out the week here, live on the morning after on SportsGrid, we need a football best bet. Thank you for joining us, though. This day, all five days this week, or four days, we had Monday off, live right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. So as we get you set for your week one NFL Sunday slate, one of my favorite angles, especially early in the year, 
is the prop market. It's a little bit softer, although not soft by any means, to find your edge because of how sharp the lines are for spreads, money lines, of course, and totals in the National Football League. And one of my favorite props in the market, passing attempts for quarterbacks. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NFL prop best bet. It's time for bye, bye, bye. I love passing attempt props because it doesn't matter what happens. I don't care if it's a touchdown. I don't care if it's an interception. I don't care if it's caught. I don't care if it's incomplete. As long as the quarterback throws, chalk one up on our way to an over. And we are taking the over of Justin Herbert's passing attempts prop against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday at 36 and a half. Look at Herbert right there, getting ready to air that ball out. It's a number that Justin Herbert went over in 10 of 17 games a season ago, averaging 39 and a half passing attempts per game last season. It's also a number that Justin Herbert went over in six straight games to start off. 2021 for Los Angeles eight of the first 10 averaging 41 passing attempts per game in those first six overs that will do it for the morning after live right here on this football Friday on sports grid thank you for joining us all week have a great weekend enjoy all the football in your life and we'll talk on Monday